The story is told that a mother was cooking supper one day. She was there in the kitchen, and she turned to her five-year-old child and asked her son to go downstairs into the basement to get a can of chicken soup. The little boy didn't want to go alone. And he said, Mommy, it's dark down there, and I'm scared. Mother said, It's all right, Johnny. You go down there and get that soup. I need it for my recipe. But when she saw her son hesitate, she added these words. She said, Besides, Jesus will be there with you. Now go down and get the soup. Johnny went downstairs and slowly opened the basement door, looking down into the darkness, a darker darkness darker than a thousand nights, and his hands began to tremble as he started to walk down the stairs. And then tears started to form in his eyes, and about halfway down the stairs he stopped. And then he got an idea. And he called out into the darkness, and he said, Jesus, if you're down there, hand me a can of chicken soup. <laughs> Oftentimes we are asked to do things and go places that we may not want to go or that we may not expect that we have to do anything. Our story from the book of Genesis today is about a couple who leave their home, Abram and Sarai. Of course, we know them as Abraham and Sarah. More than 1,700 years before Jesus Christ, God came to Abram and he gave him this command and this promise. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's home to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram was a very wealthy landowner there in Mesopotamia, Ur, which is now north of Iraq. He had family and friends. He had an honored place in the community. So this was no small demand that God was asking of Abram and his family. It certainly couldn't have been easy for Sarai, his wife. Often moving is difficult enough on a man. It's twice as difficult on a wife or on children. If you want to know that, just ask my wife about this past week. <clears throat> it's difficult to move. Can you imagine him going in and talking to Sarai and saying, God's spoken to me, it's time to leave. I can imagine the words that Sarai spoke to Abram that day or the thoughts that passed through her mind because it's simply not easy to leave home. Home is where the heart is. Home is where we all want to belong. God told Abram to leave his home, and that must have been extremely, extremely difficult. However, God spoke, and Abram obeyed. This is one of the most important statements in all of the Scripture. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. It would be impossible to overstate the significance of this small verse in relation to the entire Bible and the subsequent history of the world because when you think about it, the three great religions of this world, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, trace their roots back to Abram's act of obedience. And only two things could cause a man to answer this voice. One, a terrific ego. Or two, a tremendous faith. 
And that is why Abram answered this voice. His tremendous faith. This is what faith is, my brothers, my sisters. God speaks and we obey. We don't say, no, I can't go today. I've got to bury my father. Or no, I can't go today. I just simply can't afford it. Or better still, no, God, I can't go because my next-door neighbor or my Sunday school class won't approve of it. God speaks, and we obey. We move. Faith is much, much more than simply belief. Even Jesus said the demons believe. Faith is action. Faith is obedience to God. Abram didn't do anything special to deserve this voice. God spoke to him anyway, just as I'm sure he speaks to many of us, if not all of us. I would imagine most of you, upon reading this scripture and thinking about Abram's call to an unknown place doing an unknown thing, is a little scary. Go, move, pack up everything. Like going downstairs into the dark to fetch a can of chicken soup. Most of us hope deep down inside that God never talks to us that way and certainly doesn't ever ask anything of us like that. And yet it could happen. I can't tell you how many times Laurie and I have talked, talked about leaving or where we're going to be appointed next. It brings me to an important question that I need to ask you to get today and to challenge each and every one of you. If God were to call you today to go somewhere, telling you not where, not what to do, but just simply to go, how would you respond? How would you answer God? As I mentioned, Laurie and I have talked so many times about the appointment process, and of course, in the Methodist church, it's not simply a matter of, of what, it's just simply a matter of when you're going to move. And oftentimes when we say that we're on the docket, we're going to get moved, Laurie and I will talk about, well, who's moving? What church are we going to go to? What if it's going to be a big church or a small church? I wonder if it's going to be nearby or whether it's going to be a thousand miles away near Paducah. (laughs) And usually we get to the end and we say, we just need to pray to God. And we need to listen for his answer in our lives. To which my wife will often say, well, you just make sure when God answers, it's him speaking and not you talking to yourself, which I'm prone to do. As a result, I thought it was important that I share with you of who this senior pastor is that's standing in front of you today. How did he get here? What's his story? And so while this is indeed a sermon about Abram's call, it is also a sermon about my call. And I want you to know who I am a little better today. I was born in Washington, D.C. a long time ago. I was raised right outside the district, Hyattsville, Maryland. That's where I went to school, Parkway Elementary, Rolling Crest Junior High, Northwestern High School. My father was associate editor for the National Rifle Association, and my mother was a church secretary. We went, and I was raised at Second Baptist Church, which later turned into University Baptist because it resided in the shadows of the University of Maryland. So, yes, you have a Baptist standing in front of you. 
to some degree. No amens there. Too far, amen. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher. My uncle was a Baptist preacher. My father was a deacon. My mother was a secretary. And I'm a United Methodist pastor. And we'll get to that as we go through this story. As I mentioned, Laurie and I went to high school together. She dated some other guy in high school. We don't know what happened to him. Do we? But we've, uh, we've been together a long, long time. I'll get to that in a moment, too. After, uh, after high school, I went to and graduated from the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Marine Corps, and I went to Pensacola for flight instruction. I flew both fixed wing and helicopters. I think it was Bob that told me, we've got a big area out here that we could make into a helo pad, and we've got several helicopter pilots as part of the congregation. So, and I know they've used that for Danville when they had the vice presidential debates here as well. After I finished up the Naval Academy, I went to Quantico, the basic school, and then I got ready to go down to Pensacola, but not before I married my wife of 42 years. She's mouthing that to me as I'm saying this to you, because I keep saying it's 43. For some reason, I want to rush it. 42 years, and as I mentioned early, earlier, I married above myself. She is not only my wife and my companion, but she's my best friend. Uh, she's the mother of our two wonderful children, Sarah and Matthew, who are married to two wonderful spouses. And we have uh, five grandchildren. We have four who are currently residing with us, not at home, but on this earth, Titus, Connor, Gloria, and Kaylin. And we have one that's due in February 2018. We just found out about that earlier this week when they stopped by as we were moving into our house. Uh, that's my son and his wife. They haven't figured out how this works yet, so they're going to have three. So, but we're, we're blessed. We're blessed with that. Uh, but I can't believe you're not possibly that old. You can't be that old. You're not that old. I'm married, married young, too. I flew... Uh, Told you I flew helicopters in the Marine Corps, stationed in Santa Ana and El Toro, California, went to the wonderful island of Okinawa, Japan, came back uh, as a flight instructor to Pensacola, and finally to Quantico, part of uh, the Marine Corps Air Facility, and HMX-1, the presidential squadron. After I left the Marine Corps, I went into government contracting. I was with uh, SWL, Surface Weapons Laboratory, in uh, Washington, D.C., then I went into the aerospace industry. I started with General Electric, then went to Martin Marietta, and finally ended up at Lockheed Martin. I didn't change jobs, but during the aerospace consolidation, the jobs changed all around me. So my badge constantly changed, even though I was with the same company for more than 15 years. And throughout those various jobs, Laurie and I with our children, we looked for churches. We looked for perfect churches. There are no perfect churches, folks. None. I was raised a Baptist, Laurie was raised a Presbyterian, so we had to find some place in the middle. And we tried a lot of different churches. Matter of fact, as many of you probably know in your own families, Laurie is the one that went to church and I stayed at home. For some reason, I was a heathen. I don't know. I just didn't want to go to church. I didn't want anything to do with that. So I always let Laurie go. Sometimes when she came back, she says, you need to go. And I would go. I would go. But finally, when we went back to Pensacola the second time when I was a flight instructor, we found a wonderful United Methodist Church 
Summit Park United Methodist Church, and that indeed changed my whole thinking about churches. It was not only a wonderful church, but it was filled with absolutely wonderful, wonderful people. And we grew spiritually, and we grew as part of that church family. When I went to Newport News to become a senior uh, program manager for uh, General Electric, or then ultimately Lockheed Martin, we found another church, St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Grafton, Virginia. Once again, a wonderful church filled with wonderful, loving people, and we grew. Matter of fact, we were very, very active in that church. Sometimes when you look at a pastor or his wife, you say, oh, that's all they've ever done. That's all they know. They just know how to be a pastor. Well, that's not true. Because my wife was head of the worship team, I sang in the choir, I taught Sunday school, I was vice chair of the SPR, Laurie was the lay delegate to the annual conference. So we did what everybody does, what the laity does, what the clergy should do. We were a part of the life of the church, and we grew in St. Luke's United Methodist Church, and it grew around us. We were active. But it wasn't until I went on a walk to Emmaus that my life truly changed. Now, I don't know how many of you know about Emmaus. I don't know how many of you have been on a walk to Emmaus. It's a three-day retreat for men and women. But it was and continues to be a life-changing event for me. At first, I didn't want to go. Somebody came to me and says, we want you to go on a retreat. We think you need this. You go with a bunch of other guys and spend three days. No watches, no telephones, no computers. I don't need that. I don't want to do that. Matter of fact, the first time it was offered, I said, no, I'm busy. i got other things to do. But you know, when God calls you, when he starts to whisper in your life, when he wants things done, he's going to get those things done. The second time, I went. And it was an extraordinary time. It was an uplifting time. It was so powerful that I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ and what he wanted me to do. Matter of fact, one night I stood there on the shores of the Chesapeake Bay looking out into the starry darkness, telling God that not only I was rededicating my life, but giving him a lot of ideas of how I could do that for him. I had lots of good ideas, and I went down the whole list. What do they say? Man plans and God laughs. I went down that whole list, but I can assure you that God had a different plan and certainly a different calling for my life. In the end, he wanted me to be a pastor. I didn't expect to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't even sign up to be a pastor. But when God calls, faithfully, we need to obey. And so the point came when I quit my job. I quit my six-figure salary. Even though I didn't care care for the job, at least it paid the bills. We left a beautiful house in Running Man. We crossed the mountains and came to a place called Wilmore, Kentucky. (laughs) First time we went to Wilmore and drove down the street, I turned to my wife and said, there's no way I'm going to live here. (laughs) Nobody lives here. And yet, We did. We did. And once again, as I entered Asbury Theological Seminary, it became an exciting time, perhaps the most exciting learning time and adventurous time that I'd had since I was in flight school. When I graduated, actually, I hadn't graduated by the time I got an email one day from a district superintendent. You probably, some of you know, Mike Gibbons. You know Mike Gibbons? He's retired now. 
He was looking for a local pastor. Dumb me. I said, sure, I'll be a local pastor. And he said, I have a real opportunity for you. So he gave me my first three-point charge in Clarkson, Kentucky. You ever been to Clarkson, Kentucky? It's almost as far removed as Wilmore, but it was a great place. I preached at Big Clifty, Little Clifty, and Clarkson three times on Sunday. I preached at 8.30. I preached at 9.30. No, 8 o'clock, 9.30, 11 o'clock. By 11 o'clock, I'm telling you, that sermon was cooking on gas. It was good. Not because I was good, but because I got critiqued in between the searches on everything that I'd said wrong and those things that I had failed to add. My wife would do that. So by the time we got to 11 o'clock, it was pretty good. But it was wonderful. Three wonderful churches, wonderful people. We didn't want to leave them. But as par for the course in the United Methodist Church, the district superintendent came to me and said, I have a wonderful opportunity for you. Sent me to northern Kentucky. Trinity, Covington Trinity United Methodist Church. Served there for four and a half years. Didn't want to leave there. District superintendent came to me and said, I have a wonderful opportunity for you. I'm going to send you to the bourbon capital of the world. I'm going to send you to Bardstown. And so for the last seven years, we have served Bardstown about 44 miles in that direction. And I have to be honest with you, I hadn't planned to leave there. I don't believe that Mike had planned to leave you until that calling came into his life and he was granted that calling to go teach at Asbury Theological Seminary. And so today, I stand before you as your new senior pastor. I stand before you as your new shepherd. Someone once said, you have to love the sheep. Even when you want to make lamb chops of them, you have to love the sheep. And I have to tell you, I am about loving the people. I'm about loving each and every one of you because I believe that's what we need to be about, not simply loving our God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, but loving our neighbor as ourselves, which proves to be the most difficult thing. All of us sit out there and say, I love God. I love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. But that next-door neighbor, he's got to go. That's where we struggle. That's where we struggle. But I am certainly about love. And it all started in a walk to Emmaus that it changed my life. God's calling proved simply to be too much for me, but now it is exciting, exhilarating, challenging, and I am so happy, we are so happy to be here, not simply a part of this church, but a part of this community. I never planned on being here. I never planned on being a pastor. But I was faithful enough that when God called me in this life to do something else, I obeyed, and I went. Some of you may be looking at me and say, well, why did he call you so late? I mean, you're ancient. Why did he call you so late? I don't know. You know, I never did that before, but I did that here. We're going to have to move those steps. I don't know why he called me so late. Maybe he wanted me to have all the experiences in the world that I had. 
But I will tell you that one of my favorite poems from seminary is called The Call of Abraham. It's written by Father Killian McDonald. He's a Benedictine monk at an abbey in Minnesota. He began writing poetry when he was 75 years old, so he feels a special attachment to Abram, Abraham. And I'm not going to read you the entire poem. I'm just going to read you the last part. But this is Abram's dialogue back to God. After God has called him and said, I want you to go into the unknown. I want you to do what I'm going to tell you to do once you get there. This is Abram's monologue, dialogue back to God. This is what he says. At 75, am I supposed to scuttle my life, take that ancient wasteland Sarai, place my thin arthritic bones upon the road to some mumbled nowhere? Let me get this straight, God. I will be brief. I will summarize. In ten generations since the flood, you haven't spoken to anyone. Now you give commands. Pull up the tent. Desert my home. Desert my friends next door. Leave Haran for a country you do not name and there to be a stranger, a sojourner. God of the wilderness, from two desiccated lumps of coal, from two parched prunes, you promise to make a great nation. To me, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. Ah, you come late. You come very, very late, Lord. But my camels leave in the morning. That last line sums it all up. My camels leave in the morning because when God calls, don't be frightened, don't be startled, don't be confused, get going, have faith. And that's why I'm here as your pastor today, because I got going, I had faith, I left everything I knew to come and be with you this day and for the many years ahead. I can think of nothing that I would rather do than to be in this church and this community to grow and to nurture the kingdom with each of you and to make disciples in his precious name. I would imagine many of you understand the same thing. I would imagine many of you have been called in special ways. You've had a calling placed on your heart. It may not be pastoral ministry. It may be teaching. It may be banking. It may be medicine. It may be music. But you've answered that call, and you feel fulfilled. Some of you may be struggling. I talked with a young lady earlier this morning. She's been struggling with the call. There's that that itching. She's got a problem. And I got to say, you just have to listen a little closer. Don't be afraid of God's voice. Don't be afraid of what he's asking you to do. Because God calls all of us, just like Jill said. He calls all of us to do something for his kingdom. Albert Schweitzer once said the hardest thing about his call and his commitment to go to Africa to practice medicine and develop a new hospital was not going. It was trying to explain to his family and his friends why he was going. I have known persons called by God who when they responded to that call, they were laughed at, they were criticized, they were literally ostracized by people. People who said, you're foolish Foolish to pass up the the gifts of this secular world so that you can be a fool for Christ's sake. No. If your faith is strong enough to answer that call, you need to go. 
Not all calls are as dramatic as Abram's or Albert Schweitzer's, but I believe they're very visible and they're very clear. The human situation has not changed in all of these years. God still calls us, He claims us, He promises us, and He expects us to respond. And such a call, you have to give up something, folks. You can't be two persons in two places doing two things at the same time. You've got to leave one behind if you're going to follow God. You've got to leave something behind if you're going to do what God has placed on your heart. And I believe God has called me here. God has called me to be with you, to this wonderful church, and to you, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Now, you may ask, how do I know that? I know that because I packed up my camels earlier this week. I unpacked them later in the week, and they're out in the parking lot right now eating grass. I'm where I need to be. I'm where God has called me to be. And I'm humbled to stand before you as your new pastor. God's blessing in your life and the lives that you touch. Would you bow your heads with me, please?